part two chapter twenty one of a vital question or what is to be done by nikolai chernyshevsky translated by nathan haskell dole eighteen fifty two to nineteen thirty five and others this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two first love and legal marriage chapter twenty one the wedding had been managed in simple and yet far from common fashion two days after the conversation which resulted in their engagement vierotchka was delighted at her approaching freedom on the third day the cellar as she called it seemed twice as intolerable as before on the fourth day she wept which was contrary to her liking but she did not weep much on the fifth day she wept more on the sixth day she did not weep at all but she could not sleep from sorrow lopukhov looked on then he spoke the monologue beginning hm hm he looked a second time and spoke the monologue hm hm da hm at the first monologue he had a dim suggestion of an idea but he was not sure what it was at the second monologue he saw plainly in his mind what he imagined at the first it does not do to offer a person freedom and then leave him in prison after that he thought steadily for two hours an hour and a half on his way from semyonovsky bridge to vyborgsky and half an hour on his sofa the first quarter of an hour he thought without wrinkling his forehead the remaining hour and three quarters he wrinkled his forehead at the end of the two hours he struck his forehead and using worse words than gogol's postmaster talyatin the calf looked at his watch and saying ten o'clock yes there is time yet left the room during the first quarter of an hour when his brow was smooth this was what he thought it's all nonsense why should i graduate i shall not be ruined if i don't get a diploma and it is not necessary by lessons and translations i shall not make less i shall make even more than if i had become a doctor bagatelles consequently there was no need of wrinkling his brow to tell the truth the task did not appear to be of a head-splitting nature partly because that from the first lesson he had anticipated something in the nature of his present resolution he now perceived this and if any one had reminded him of his arguments that began with the theme sacrifice and ended with the thought of fine dresses one might have proved to him that something in the nature of these circumstances was anticipated from that very time because otherwise there would be no sense in the words to renounce my scientific career at that time it seemed to him that he was not going to renounce it but instinct was already saying renounce it there will be no postponement and if any one had proved to lopukhov as to a practical thinker that there was no ground then for his renunciation he would have triumphed as a theoretical man and would have said now here is a new example for you of how egotism rules our thoughts for i ought to have seen but i did not see for i was trying to look in another direction and rules our actions for why did i make the girl stay in her cellar a week longer when the matter ought to have been foreseen and provided for long ago but he remembered nothing of that kind and it did not occur to him because he had to wrinkle his forehead and while wrinkling it to think for an hour and three quarters on the question who will marry us and there was only one answer all the time there is no one to marry us but suddenly in place of the answer no one to marry us the name of mertsalov came into his head then it was that he struck himself on the forehead and swore with good reason how is it possible that i did not think of mertsalov at the very beginning and to a certain degree he was wrong in his wonder 
he was not accustomed to think of Mertsalov as of a man who marries. In the medical school there are a good many people of all kinds. There are among them some seminarists. These men have acquaintances in the theological seminary, and through them Lopukhov had also made acquaintances there. One of the students whom he knew at the theological seminary, not an intimate but a friend, had graduated a year ago, and had become a priest, and was living in a certain building with endless corridors on the Vasilyevsky island. To him Lopukhov went, and as it was an extra occasion and a late hour, he took an izfochik. Mertsalov was sitting alone in his room, and was reading some new book, possibly by Louis the Fourteenth or someone else of the same dynasty. Such and such is the state of things, Alexey Petrovitch. I know that it is a very serious risk for you to undertake. It is right enough if we get reconciled with the parents, but suppose they begin a lawsuit. There may be some trouble for you, and there probably will be, but... Lopukhov could not find in his mind anything to attach to his butt, for how in the world can you persuade a man to put his neck for your sake into a noose? Mertsalov was also in a quandary, and tried hard to find a butt which would authorize him to run such a risk, and he had no better success in getting beyond the butt. How can we arrange this matter? I should certainly like to. What you are doing now, I did a year ago, and I gave up my liberty just as you are going to do. I have some scruples, but I must help you out of it. Yet when one has a wife, it is rather dangerous to go ahead without precaution. How are you? Good evening, Alosya. All my people send their best regards to you. How are you, Lopukhov? We haven't seen you for a long time. What is this that you are speaking here about a wife? Oh, yes, the wives are always to blame. This was said by a young married woman of about seventeen, who had just come in from a visit to her parents. She was a pretty and lively blondinka. Mertsalov told his wife about the state of things. The young woman's eyes flashed. Alyosha, they will not eat you up. There is a risk, Natasha. A very large risk, said Lopukhov in corroboration. Well, what can be done? You must run the risk, Alyosha, I beg of you. If you will not blame me, Natasha, for not taking you into account in running into this danger, then that settles it. When do you want to get married, Dmitri Sergeyevich? In point of fact, all hindrances were set aside. On Monday morning, Lopukhov said to Kirsanov, Do you know, Alexander, that I am going to make you a present of my half of our work? Take my papers and preparations. I give it all up. I am going to leave the medical school. This is my last request. I am going to be married. Lopukhov told him the whole story in a few words. If you were stupid or I were stupid, I should tell you, Dmitri, that this is the way that insane men act. But now I shall not say any such thing. All the objections that I could raise you must have thought over more than I have done. And even if you have not thought them over, it does not make any difference. Whether you are acting foolishly or wisely, I do not know. But at least I shall not attempt to act so foolishly as to dissuade you when I know that your mind is made up. Can I be of any service or not? I want to find an apartment somewhere in an inexpensive neighborhood, three rooms, and I must make application to get my medical school papers right away, tomorrow if possible, so you will look us up a house. On Tuesday, Lopukhov got his papers, went to Mertsalov, and said that the wedding would be on the next day. At what time would be most convenient for you, Alexey Petrovitch? It makes no difference to Alexey Petrovitch, as he stays at home all day. I think, though, that I shall have time to send Kirsanov to let you know. On Wednesday, at eleven o'clock, Lopukhov went to the boulevard, and after waiting for some time for Virochka, began to get worried. 
but here she is all out of breath vierotchka my dear has anything happened to you no milenki nothing i was late only because i overslept that means what time did you go to bed milenki i didn't want to tell you at seven o'clock milenki but i was thinking all night long no it was earlier it was six i want to ask you about something my dear vierotchka we must get married soon mustn't we so that we may both be comfortable yes milenki we must we must very soon then in four days in three ah if it could be so milenki then you would be a smart boy in three days i will surely find a house we'll buy everything for housekeeping and then will it be possible for us to live in it together it will my golubchik it certainly will but it will be necessary to get married first ah i forgot milenki that it was necessary to get married first well we can get married today that was the very thing that i wanted to ask you about let us go right away and get married and how have you managed everything what a bright boy you are milenki i will tell you everything on our way let us go here they are they have passed through the long corridors into the church they have found the sexton they have sent for mertsalov mertsalov lived in the house where the endless corridors were now vierotchka i have to ask of you still another favour you know that they make young couples kiss each other in church yes my milenki only how ridiculous it is well lest it should be too ridiculous then let us kiss each other now very well let us kiss each other but could it not be done without it yes but it is impossible to get along without it in church so let us prepare ourselves they kissed each other milenki it is well that we have had time to prepare ourselves here comes the sexton now it will not seem so ridiculous in church but it was not the sexton who came the sexton did not come till after the diakon it was kirsanov who had been waiting for them at mertsalov's Virochka, this is alexander matveitch kirsanov whom you do not like and whom you have forbidden me to meet vira pavlovna what is the reason that you want to separate our tender hearts for the very reason that they are tender said Virochka giving kirsanov her hand and still smiling then she fell into thought but shall i be able to love him as well as you do you love him very dearly don't you i i love no one but myself vira pavlovna and you don't love him we have lived together and we have never quarrelled isn't that enough and hasn't he loved you either i never observed anything of the sort however let us ask him have you ever loved me dmitri i never particularly despised you well if that is the case alexander matveitch i shall not forbid your meeting and i myself will love you now that is much better vira pavlovna and now i too am ready said alexey petrovitch coming in let us go into the church alexey petrovitch was gay and full of jests but when the ceremony began his voice trembled suppose it should result in a lawsuit natasha you must go back to your father your husband does not support you and it is a wretched life to have a husband alive and to live on your father's bread however after several words he again regained complete control of himself when the service was half over natalia andreyevna or natasha as alexey petrovitch called his wife invited the young people to come to her house after the ceremony she had prepared a little breakfast they came in they laughed they even danced two quadrilles with two couples they also waltzed alexey petrovitch who could not dance played the violin for them an hour and a half flew by quickly and unnoticed it was a gay wedding i think that they must be waiting dinner for me at home said vierotchka it is about time now my milenki i shall be able to live three or four days in my cellar without being melancholy 
and possibly even more why should i worry now there is nothing for me to fear now no don't go home with me i am going all alone by myself so as not to be seen by anybody it's all right they will not eat me up don't worry gentlemen said alexey petrovitch as he escorted lopukhov and kirsdnof to the door who had remained for a few minutes so as to give yerochka a chance to get out of sight i am very glad now that natasha encouraged me on the following day after a four days hunt a good house was found at the farther end of the fifth block on the vasilievsky island having all in all one hundred and sixty roubles in reserve lopukhov concluded with his friend that it would be impossible for him and vierotchka to think as yet of attempting to keep house or to have their own furniture and dishes and therefore they rented three rooms together with furniture dishes and board from an old man who quietly spent his days with a little stock of buttons ribbons pins and other things at the fence on the middle prospect between the first and second blocks while his evenings were passed in quiet conversation with this old woman who for her part spent her days in mending hundreds and thousands of old things of every sort brought to her in bundles from the pushing market the servants also belonged to the landlord in other words they were the landlord and landlady themselves all this cost them thirty roubles a month at that period ten years ago eighteen fifty three the times were not so hard in petersburg judged by the petersburg standard with such an arrangement their means would last for three or even four months ten roubles a month is enough for tea isn't it and in four months lopukhov hoped to find pupils some kind of literary work or even some kind of occupation in a mercantile office he did not care what on the very day when the house was found and indeed the house was a very good one they looked out for that and therefore they found what they wanted lopukhov while he was giving his lesson on thursday as usual said to vierotchka to-morrow you can come to me my dear here is the address i shall not say anything more now lest they may notice something my milenki you have saved me now how to leave the house shall they confess what they have done Yerochka thought seriously about doing so but her mother might lay violent hands on her and might even lock her up Yerochka concluded to leave a letter in her room when marya alexievna heard that her daughter was going to the nevsky prospect and said that she was going too Yerochka went back to her room and took the letter it seemed to her that it was better more honourable if she herself told her mother to her face for on the street her mother would not attempt to beat her and it would only be necessary to stand at a distance from her while speaking to take an izvozchik as soon as possible and then drive off before she had time to catch her by the sleeve in such a manner the effective scene came about at ruzanov's store End of part two, chapter 21, recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.